Hello and welcome to Hitchcock Chronologically, the show where I, Jeff, go through each one of Alfred Hitchcock's movies in chronological order. And uh, we are getting very, very close to the halfway point here. Indeed, our next movie, once I have finished, after the end of the next episode, I should say, we will have done half of Hitchcock's movies. Just take a deep... (sighs) We're going to make it. I'm going to push through. This is going to get finished. World War II started in 1939. This movie was released in 1940. And it takes place on the brink of World War II. I watched Foreign Correspondent by Alfred Hitchcock. It stars Joel McCree, who I've not seen before this movie, Lorraine Day, Herbert Marshall. Those are your main ones. But then we have uh, Scott Foliot, uh, who's played by George Sanders, who was in the previous movie, uh, Rebecca. He played uh, the the Mr., if you remember, uh, to Rebecca. And uh, he was great in that, and he's excellent in this. He's so pompous and arrogant, like... Everything he says it just has this air of arrogance, and it's awesome. Uh, and he's great in this as well. Like I said, this takes place in 1939, before the actual war had begun. Uh, or at least before England had entered the war. Even though this is an American film... It still takes place a lot over in Europe, uh, in Denmark, in uh, Holland, in the UK. And uh, we're introduced to our protagonist, whose name is John Johnson, I think. John Jones. Sorry. Uh, But he doesn't go by John Jones. He goes by um, Herbert Herpulite. (laughs) Herbert. Ah, God, I don't remember. Hanukulite. I've got some sort of a name here. Yes, Haverstock. Huntley Haverstock. Sounds a little more important, don't you think, Mr. Fisher? Oh, yes, yes. Very dashing, too. Mm. It sounds better than Richard Harding Davis. Richard Harding Davis wasn't over there. Oh, we can't use that. That's the name of one of our greatest war correspondents 40 years ago. Well, speak up, young man. You don't mind being Huntley Haverstock, do you? Rose by any name, sir. So that's John James Jonah Jameson. But he goes by Huntley Haverstock for the most of the movie, but also sometimes Jim Jimmel Jims. Uh, he actually is uh, like working at this newspaper for that guy who gave him the name Huntley Haverstock. And the reason, so they need new foreign correspondents because the head of this newspaper is sick of getting, I guess, weak headlines. And so they he hears about a guy that works for the newspaper that they need to fire anyway because apparently he got in a fight with a police officer. And the guy who owns the newspaper thinks this is a great idea. So he calls Joan Jama Jims up and changes his name to Hatley Haverstock. And he meets a guy named Mr. Fisher who is a peace diplomat kind of guy who works over in the in London and he's talking about doing their best to try to keep the UK from going to war. And so Hamlin 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 stock gets drafted essentially to go over there and uh just be a reporter and send information back. He gets over there and he goes to a party with Mr. Fisher and meets Mr. Fisher's daughter who 
gets upset for him. Like, so these movies are really starting to, to, to follow a formula again. Like the first batch of them were all love triangles. This one is another one of these movies where someone has some information that is needs to be sent overseas or whatever. And it's not kept in a traditional way. It's memorized uh, by like, you know, Mr. Memory in the 39 Steps or the old lady on the train, Mrs. Froy in The Lady Vanishes. And in this movie, uh, the information is the information is held by uh, a gentleman by the name of Van Meer, who is like a old general guy, I guess. I don't know. He's some sort of diplomat. And uh, but he apparently has information. Well, Hamlin Hammerstock uses a train, like shares a taxi cab with this old guy, Vandermeer, Vanmeer. I'm getting all the names wrong. And they have a good conversation and a little camaraderie. Everything's cool. And then at, like, at, like shortly thereafter, like the next day, there's like this big peace meeting with Mr. Fisher and other important people and coming in to meet them is Mr. Vanmeer. So, J. Jama Jama Jums, Her- Hercules goes up to Van Meer and tries to strike up another conversation with him, but he doesn't seem to recognize uh, Honey H- Hulker Cut. And a journalist comes around and asks to take a picture of Mr. Van Meer, but he also has a gun next to the camera and he shoots Mr. Van Meer in the head and he dies in the streets. So I guess he's not going to be in the movie anymore. So Hanley Havercock decides to chase down the shooter and literally runs after him, gets in a car that has uh, Mr. Fisher's daughter in it, and she becomes a major player. And in the car is uh, Mr. Favellian. And this time I'm not being silly. The name is weird. I know this because they have a conversation about it while they're pursuing the the assassin. They're driving and being shot at. And this is a perfect time for them to discuss this new character's uh, last name. The chauffeur you got, Miss Fisher? Yes, isn't he? Are you two know each other? Oh, I forgot. This is Scott Follett. Newspaper man, same as you. London correspondent. Mr. Hammerstock, Mr. Follett. With a double F. How do you do? How do you do? I don't get the double F. It's the beginning, Oppo, and they're both small Fs. It can't be at the beginning. One of my ancestors had his head chopped off by Henry VIII and his wife dropped the capital of the letter to commemorate the occasion. There it is. Now you say it like a stutter. I know, just straight fu. Just straight fu. His name is spelt, no joke, F-F-O-L-L-I-O-T-T. F-F, two Fs, and they're both lowercase. Don't capitalize his last name. They're both lowercase. And it's just a fu. I loved that scene. Uh, and, and we have, uh, again, this character, the guy's played by George Sanders, who's just awesome. Everything he does is just perfectly arrogant and wonderful. They pursue these uh, assassins to a windmill. And uh, our protagonist, Hot Falafel, gets out and he says, hey, you guys head back. I'm going to go inside and, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that in this building are, uh, you know, the people we're after. Well, he goes inside and sure enough, they're there, but he sneaks through and he overhears their plans and he sees this old evil looking dude, uh, who turns out to be Mr. Krug. Uh, 
And upstairs, he finds none other than Van Meer. Van Meer's not dead. And this confuses uh, Hamster Wheel. And he says, hey, I, th- I saw you get shot. How are you still alive? And he's like, well, there must have been a double. They've been drugging me. And he's totally like zoned out, drugged. And uh, the bad guys come upstairs and he hides up in the top of the windmill uh, as they take him away. He he goes to the authorities and tells everyone, hey, he's in this windmill. Of course, when they get there, no one's there. Everybody's confused. Well, he's confused. Everybody just thinks he's crazy because he's saying Vandermeer's alive, even though everybody saw him get shot and killed. I have a question. I'm guessing this double didn't know that he was going to get assassinated. Otherwise, why would he have signed up for the job? That's a good question. Thanks, Jeff. Just. I want you to go over here, look exactly like this diplomat, that it'll be fine. And then they assassinate the wrong guy. So I get they want him to look dead so nobody knows that they've got him because they're trying to get this information out of him that he apparently has. After this, he meets up with... uh, Miss Fisher, the daughter of Mr. Fisher, the lead peace diplomat guy. And uh, he tells her the whole thing. She doesn't believe him at first, but then he like reverse psychologies her into believing him. Uh, They decide it's best to go back to London because at this point they're in like Holland or wherever. I'm not sure exactly. And they, they stow away, maybe not stow away, but they get on a boat and they travel back. And during this time, they fall in love. He proposes. She accepts. It's really stupid because they don't really know each other. And then when they first meet, they hate each other. And now they're in love just like almost immediately after for no reason. It's. Um, but apparently they're in love now. So they go home to see Daddy Fisher and uh, let him know that they're engaged and also to pass along the information that. Mr. Van Meer is very much alive and has been kidnapped by this ugly, evil-looking dude. Problem is, ugly, ugly, evil-looking dude is at Mr. Fisher's house. Mr. Krug. And Mr. Krug uh, gets up to leave and our protagonist, Huntley Havenshaved, says, Hey, that guy's actually the guy who kidnapped Mr. Van Meer. And... This surprises Mr. Fisher. He says, I'm going to go talk to him. Well, guess what? Mr. Fisher's in on it, too. He's working with him. Turns out Mr. Fisher is actually German. And he works for the Germans, and he's trying to get this information out of uh, Mr. Van Meer. So as a way to get Huntley Havenshaved out of the picture, he hires a bodyguard to protect Huntley, Hunter, uh, to to watch over him, but really he's just hired an assassin to, to kill him. And so there's a point where he pushes Huntley having shaved in traffic and he almost gets hit by a bus, but he ends up turning and saying, actually I had to push you. Cause if I had pulled you, you'd got hit. They go to a tall building, this little short old guy who's trying to kill him and Huntley having shaved actually says, Hey, uh, who's protecting who when he first meets him goes to push our hero off the building, completely misses, and falls off the building himself and dies. Heck of an assassin. This pretty much just tips off uh, our protagonist that he now knows, hey, 
Mr. Fisher's in on it. He hired this guy to kill me. But he doesn't want to tell Mrs. Fisher, the his daughter, because he thinks his daughter's innocent. And spoiler, she is. She doesn't know about this. And uh, he's not like a, I don't know. I think he's trying to, I don't remember where he is, what this, he's basically like a reporter's office or whatever. And our main man, Fofalette, shows up and uh, lets him know, hey, let's work together now. Let's be a team. So what I need you to do is let's get you to take Miss Fisher somewhere. Just let's make her disappear for a couple, like a day or two. And I'll pretend that I've abducted her to get the information out of Mr. Fisher as to where they're keeping Van Meer. So they head off to who knows where, Cambridge. And uh, Fafalette decides to go to Mr. Fisher and says, hey, I've got your daughter. She's been kidnapped. You need to tell me where Mr. Van Meer is. And so Mr. Uh, Fisher writes a note. And as he's writing the note, who should walk in the door but Mrs. Fisher, who's supposedly kidnapped. Uh, the note that was written basically says, I heard my daughter's car roll up. Anyway, he like follows him anyway, because Mr. Fisher's garbage at losing a tail. And Mr. Fuffalette uh, ends up going to where Mr. Van Meer is. But the, the head desk person has him at gunpoint and brings him upstairs. They are torturing Mr. Fofolette. They are playing music loud, never turning it off. They've got lights just bright shining on them. They're treating him awful, and they're trying to get this information out of him. Eventually, he gives up the information, um, or he tries to, but then Mr. Fofolette starts to fight, and all of a sudden, our hero comes in, and he fights, and... They all end up on a plane to go to the United States or somewhere else. This movie. Um, while they're on this plane somehow, I don't remember how it happened. Uh, they escape. Hold on. Yeah, they escape. And uh, he basically, they know that war is going to be declared the next day. So he gets his daughter and they get on a big plane. And on this plane... Is also Mr. Fofolette and Hot Dog Ham Hamberman, and uh, Mr. Fisher notices a note that goes to Fofolette, and it basically says, "Hey, we're going to arrest this guy." So he decides to take this final moment. Mr. Fisher does to let his daughter know the truth. I'm actually a spy. Um, I work for Germany, and. Basically, all the the bad she kind of figures it out anyway because she picked up the phone and and heard evil man on the phone and knew that why is he calling my dad I guess so they have their moment together and then the plane gets shot out of the air there's like a boat on the ground it's a a, a United States ship and it shoots this giant plane out of the air because they think it's a bomber. And this crash scene is excellent. It's the best part of the movie. Lots of great model work. They do a lot of rear projection with the waves and the water. And and again, this is one of those things that maybe not by today's standard, this wouldn't be that spectacular. But also, it is kind of spectacular because of all the practical effects and the way they film it. I think these actors are actually in danger as the plane hits the water you're seeing the perspective from behind the pilot and co-pilot's head. And so when the, the plane hits the water, the water shoots through the windshield and covers them like 
it looks great. And the, the ship starts to fill up. People are breaking windows to get out. It's mayhem. Uh, you see in the, the ship, the plane sink and the water's getting higher inside as it reaches the top. People are going underwater and a handful of the people, not everybody gets out. A lot of people die on this plane. And uh, our protagonist and Mr. Fafalet and the Fishers, they get out and they end up on the wing of the plane. Um, the pilot gets out and the wing of the plane is floating, but it starts to sink. They have too much weight. Uh, Mr. Fisher decides to sacrifice himself so that they, his daughter can live because basically he knows he's going to jail anyway. They end up getting picked up by this American boat. Uh, that won't allow them to make any phone. He wants to basically call the press people over in the U S to give them this huge story that he has about Mr. Fisher being actually a traitor. And uh, he says, he's not going to do it because he doesn't want to hurt Miss Fisher. But Miss Fisher walks in and says, Hey, the truth needs to be told. And she needs to, she says that her dad did for her country. Um, what he thought was best. Now it's time for me to do what I think best is for what's best for my country being the UK. And let's let the story break. He dials the uh, phone that's in the room. He's only supposed to make personal calls. So he calls his boss under the guise of him being his uncle. And as the ship's captain comes in, he hides the phone and then they do this whole bit of exposition explaining the entire plot. And it gets back and the story gets out. And then the end of this movie is actually pretty effective to a degree. He's in a radio studio and he's reading about all the stuff he's found. And as this happens, there's like an air raid. Uh, I think he's back in the UK at this point because I don't, I don't think there are any air raids in the US during the World War. Uh, but the lights are going out. It's flickering. And they're like, hey, we got to get you to a bomb shelter. He says, no, people are listening. I'm going to stay here. Miss Fisher stays there too as he reads the news as it's bombing and the lights go out and the world war is starting. The only problem that takes away from this is the focus on the United States in this moment. Like, U.S., you guys keep your hope. Keep hope alive, you know. And I get that this movie is going to be in the audience of, uh, you know, Americans. And Americans didn't enter into the world war until 1941 after Pearl Harbor. So they were very much on the outside looking in, but this movie was still felt like a little bit of propaganda at the end for them to, to keep hope up during this, this big war. Now I only had that's without that little piece, this ending is great because it's, it's, it's a lead up to the beginning of the world war. And it's in a time when the world war is still happening. This would have been like crazy to go to the theater and see a movie about the World War II while World War II is happening. It's kind of a, a, a time capsule in a way. The movie's good for the most part. All the actors are great. They're charismatic. Uh, you know, George Sanders, I think his name is. Yeah, George Sanders is excellent. Everything, I got to find out. Maybe do a podcast, George Sanders, chronologically, but probably never, ever going to happen. He's great. Mr. Fisher's fine. Uh, but uh, Lorraine Day plays Carol Fisher. She's great. And Joel McCrea playing John Johns Johns is also great. Uh, uh, the down parts are it does get a little long in the tooth. The movie is two hours. And there are several scenes that just kind of bog things down a bit. But then when you get to the plane, it's excellent like the 
the plane crash, I can't say enough good things about. It's so well done. It's uh, amazing considering the time and the fact that everything has to be practical. Nowadays, you would just CG water shooting through or the, the plane crash would all be CG. But now it's models and actors actually in a in a room that's filling up with water having to escape. And it's harrowing. It's it's really good. Um, and then the ending is pretty great, too. Uh with the lights going out and the bombs going off and it's just the beginning of the world war. And when this movie came out, nobody knew because it's 1940, the world war had just started. Nobody knew how it was going to end. And you've got this movie ending on this open note of the war happening and not knowing how it's going to end. Now in the future, in hindsight, we can look and say, well, we know who wins, but even then, like they're in the countries that are being bombed, I just found it very effective. I don't know that I'd watch it again. There are good parts. Um, and it is a good movie. I just don't see myself going back to it like The Lady Vanishes or something like that. So uh, we're going to move ahead a year. We're now moving out of 1940 and getting into 1941. Hitchcock made two movies this year. And this, when we finish the next movie, will be halfway through. Halfway done. And the next movie uh, does not star Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie, but the movie is called Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I don't know if Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the new one, was a remake of this or not. Not sure. I'll let you know if it is. Uh, but that's what's next on the docket for us. I want to thank you for listening. If you want to get a hold of me, you can do so by clicking the Discord link in the description and going to the Budget Arcade Discord or emailing Hitchcock chronologically at gmail.com. You can also listen to my other podcasts, Budget Arcade, and uh, my latest podcast, Das Movie Draft House, H-A-U-S. We're really making it hard for anyone to find it anywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.